Welcome back, loyal listeners, to the Real Japan podcast, bringing you the latest headlines and newsworthy news items from Japan. I am one of the hosts, Kenzo. And I am Ferg. And without further ado, we'll jump right in to what Ferg has been up to for the past week. What have you been doing, man? Well, I've mostly been stuck inside during the rain, which I'll come on to in a minute. But we did have a four-day weekend recently here in Japan. We had two national holidays in a row, yep, creating yep. a four-day weekend. Well, because so it was supposed it's... to be the opening ceremony, right? Oh, of the Olympic Games. Yeah, I, th- yeah, I think that's why it's, they made it like a, a four-day holiday. Oh, I see. Well... It's How, a bit uh, bittersweet, eh? Everything has changed, eh? Yeah, yeah. But I did, despite some drizzle one day, I did get out and visit some local shrines, had a walk around. And while I was walking around, I was looking at the cars going by, looking at their registration plates, and seeing yeah. how many travellers had come from afar. And I saw there were many, many cars that had visited from, you know, different prefectures. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of Tokyo? Or... Yes, sir. There was mm. really cars from all over Japan. You know, ones from nearby prefectures, such as Toyama. Ones from mm. Tokyo, as you'd expect. Osaka. And I even saw one or two from very far away locations. I think I saw one from Fukuoka, if I remember correctly. Wow, that's quite far. Yes, sir. So it seems that despite the pandemic, people are traveling around and visiting tourist sites. Yeah, which uh, I don't know if that's a good thing. No, sir. Yeah. Well, I mean, the government is encouraging it, so it can't be too bad. Oh, yeah, of course. They know best. (laughs) Yes, sir. (laughs) Uh, Just quickly, before I ask you what you were doing on your past week yeah i mentioned the rain then and being mostly stuck inside i read an article that says that the rainy season is expected to last for up to 10 days longer than a normal rainy season in most areas in japan Mm. just finished in kyushu in southwest japan and it finished approximately two weeks long later than usual there oh really for any listeners of The Real Japan who are getting tired of hearing us talk about being stuck inside during the rain, now you know why. We've had an exceptionally long rainy season this year. Yes, rain every day. Yes, sir. So well, bad. How has your week been, though? You've not been letting the rain get you down, have you? Oh, man, it's got me down. I'm down and out, man. <laughs> oh, no, out for the count. Yeah, I can't, I can't stand it. Yeah. yeah, it must be tough for a California lad like yourself. Yeah, and and the thing too with like it's not even like just the rain, like the the rain itself necessarily. Yeah. It's it's that because it, the constant rain just makes it so like humid. Yes, yes. That like um because I have like you know wooden floors or whatever and mm. like the the floors are noticeably like damp almost mm, yeah 
You yeah. Know, like kind of like if you walk around barefoot, your feet kind of stick to the floor because it's somewhat damp. Yeah. It's just a, like a a bad feeling. Yes, sir. Yeah, but um, I don't know. Other other than that, uh, yeah, I think I've been inside mm. for most of the week. Yeah, I haven't really. I think I took the car out mm. to like the mall. Mm. Um, once I forget why. Oh yeah, because uh, because like Lego. Yeah. There's a le- there's a Lego store at the mall. And, oh, uh, is there? I've never seen yeah. one of those in Japan. Yeah, yeah, they got one there, and like there aren't too many granted in Japan. Mm. Mm. So it just happens that one of them is somewhat close by. Mm. And uh, yeah, they got this uh like partnership with Nintendo. Okay. So there's like Nintendo themed Lego blocks now. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, which is kind of fun. So Did you pick any up? Yeah, I got like the the starter set or whatever it is. Oh great. And, uh, comes what with you- like a Mario and uh and it's and it's cool mm. because like the Mario one, yeah, there there's like a little barcode scanner mm. on his feet. Okay. What and then when you ju- and then when you jump on like a like mm. a Koopa or something, mm. it'll make like then there's there's a little speaker and like a little LCD on him too, and like it'll make like the stomping sound. Really? Yeah, if you jump on the guy, you know. Wow, Lego has come a long way, hasn't yeah, it? Yeah, they've come a long way. Yeah, and it's got Bluetooth too. Really? And if you like stomp on a coin. Mm. And like it keeps track of there's an app you know for your, uh, mm. your phone mm. and it keeps track of how many coins you've collected or something like really that. yeah 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 it's it's pretty it's pretty high tech I, I was impressed wow yeah amazing i'm quite interested in that maybe i'll look it up and yeah yeah you should, you should check it out yeah it's, it's yeah pretty, uh, you, that's that's the nice thing about legos you know it's uh, they're, they're fun for the whole age uh, the range of ages. Yes, sir. Yeah, they certainly are, aren't they? Um, but yeah, I guess um, that's uh, that's what I've been up to. Well, I'm sure even if you are stuck inside, it sounds like those Lego kits are keeping you quite amused, eh? Yeah, yeah, keeping me busy. Yeah, it's uh, keeping my mind off the the poor weather. Yes, sir, and the global pandemic. Oh yeah, that too. Yeah, there's always that. Well, shall we move on to our coronavirus roundup? Yeah, we'll see uh, see what you've got for us. So, it's been a somewhat difficult week. As of the 28th of July, there were 32,313 cases in Japan and 1,002 deaths. So we have finally crossed that 1,000 number, somewhat yeah, ominous. Yeah, that we have. Yep. And there have been an increase of 982 new cases over the previous 24 hours. This is the highest number ever, surpassing the previous record of 981 new cases on the 23rd of this month. Yeah, it definitely feels like it's um, ramping up. Yes, it's very unfortunate. Yeah. 
maybe it was complacency, who knows, but it seemed as though the situation was under control somewhat in Japan. They released a lot of the measures, you know, asking businesses to to close, etc., which yep, are shortened yep. opening hours, and all of a sudden cases have spiked. So who knows where we will go from here. Yeah, yeah. There, um, yesterday, or two days ago as we record, there were 131 new cases in Tokyo. That was the first time the number of cases had been below 200 for a week. It did appear to be somewhat positive, but as we mentioned when we were talking about our weekends, there was recently a four-day break, so perhaps there were fewer tests conducted during that period. And Yeah, could be, yeah. The most recent number, um, yesterday's number, is 266 new cases. So yes, so yesterday was Tuesday, and, and but mm. I, I forget was you said it was two or or three days about behind? three days delayed about yes. three okay exactly yes so we so may that see actually mm. that was actually the Saturday number yes exactly yes mm, okay and we did see a record in Tokyo last week when there were three hundred and sixty six cases reported on Thursday right last week. yeah yeah. Not just in Tokyo, though. We have seen high numbers across Japan, including record numbers in Osaka, 155 new cases. This is in the previous 24 hours. Aichi, 110 new cases. That's notable because Aichi has the third largest city of Nagoya mm-hmm. um, yeah. in it, where there were 65 new cases. So, you know, it does seem worrying. It does seem like the virus is spreading, not just in Tokyo, but across the country. So presumably we'll mm. probably see another big number um, on Thursday, right? Because that's the Monday number. Yes, if that, yeah. um, if the kind of pattern is is to be believed, yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. According to a news poll, uh, sorry, according to a poll by the Kyodo News Agency, more than two thirds of respondents were in favor of reintroducing the state of emergency. What do you think? Yeah, it sounds like um, a, a good idea. Maybe it might mm. be prudent to do that. Um, mm. Yeah, the, the thing that gets me is I, it, there doesn't really seem to be um, mm. a, a threshold or a standard. Yes. You know, at, at which point, you know, certain measures take effect or... Yes, and that has been really disappointing for me personally watching the government's response because at the start they came out with all these numbers saying, you know, if it crosses this threshold... Oh, yeah, like the seven-day moving average of however many people. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, and we we did discuss those numbers many times on this podcast, Mm -hmm. so I'm not going to go back into them, but, you know, the long and short of it is that they... Then all the threat thresholds basically were crossed cases increased far above the level that they should have been you know reintroducing measures to limit the spread of the virus and they just haven't done so they've kind of made excuses saying well the situation is different we're doing a different number of tests yeah 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 we're, we're just doing more tests exactly you know 
I did read an article this week. I don't have the exact number in front of me, but it did suggest that the rate of um, the rate at which tests come back positive is also increasing. So the general infection rate. So it's not just if if they were doing more tests, but that was the sole reason for the increase in number of cases. You would expect there to be a lower infection rate as a result of those tests. If that right, makes sense. Yeah. The number of positive tests as a percentage of the total number of tests. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. However, according to the article I read, it seems that the number of positive tests, the rate of infection is also increasing as they're doing more tests, which is quite worrying. Yeah, yeah. And just quickly, another kind of interesting item I read was that um, apparently hospitals that have taken on coronavirus patients you know, because there are only certain hospitals that are taking coronavirus patients, these kind of mm-hmm. designated hospitals. But apparently they've had much larger losses than hospitals that are not taking on uh, coronavirus patients, according to the results of a survey of private hospitals, which were announced, the results of this survey were announced on the 27th, and it, in, it covered 743 hospitals 743 respondents, a decent survey size. Yeah, yeah. And obviously, you know, people have been refraining from going into hospitals for any non-essential sort of surgeries or anything for fear of catching coronavirus. And this has led to a difficult situation for many hospitals in terms of their businesses. But it seems that the hospitals that are treating coronavirus patients have had a much tougher time of it. Mm. You know, I have some issues perhaps with the way the data is presented in this survey but they said that on average hospitals treating uh, coronavirus patients recorded losses of 99.7 million uh, Japanese yen in May okay compared with 21.5 million yen losses on average in hospitals that are not treating coronavirus patients it's quite a significant difference there yeah it's almost five times yeah exactly exactly a a little bit less than five times yes and of course there's a number of reasons for this so in addition to the time and the work and sort of preparation required to take in patients the covid patients it seems that these hospitals are also suffering a kind of loss of in their reputation you know, people do not oh, want to go yeah. to them if they know that they are treating coronavirus patients there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. However, apparently the government will pay the hospitals for that choose to treat coronavirus patients at three times the normal rate that they would be paid for such treatment. You know, the government of Japan kind of fixes the prices of medical treatments. Yeah, and yeah. hospitals will be recompensated at three times the normal rate and also they will be compensated for any empty beds that they have secured for coronavirus patients so if they set beds apart they will be compensated for that oh i see okay so i'm not sure if this survey tells the whole story the other issue i had with it was that it said the amount of losses in terms of a, a number not a percentage 
Whereas, yeah, yeah, which yeah, I I agree that the mm. like an absolute figure like that is exactly kind of meaningless because exactly. I'm, sh- I'm sure mm. it varies. Like the the size of the hospitals themselves vary widely. Exactly, exactly. That's what yeah. I thought. Yeah. So, I mean, the survey does seem to suggest that hospitals taking on coronavirus patients have suffered larger losses. But as I said, we we can't we don't know how true that is but still it could be worrying for the future of the medical system in japan if the if the virus situation does get much worse we may see hospitals being reluctant to take on coronavirus patients yeah yeah it's uh, a worrying trend certainly yeah. yes sir there have been anecdotal stories of people being taken round hospitals and the hospitals refusing to take them you know mm-hmm. coronavirus mm-hmm. patients who knows? It will be something to watch out for. I mean, hopefully, the coronavirus situation, they do manage to get it out of control. But as discussed, it has been a difficult week for Japan, certainly. Yeah. yeah. Although, it um, could, could be a lot worse. So, hopefully, it'll, mm. at the very least, not get worse. That's true. Yeah. Certainly. Oh, well, shall we move on to our main stories for today? Yeah, sure. Um I got a story which mm-hmm. is not coronavirus related, so it'll be a mm. breath of fresh air. That's good. Yeah. Um, this, this happened about a month ago, mm. so it's not super recent, but uh, I mm. thought it was interesting nonetheless. Uh, so we've talked about this on, on this podcast before, but mm. NHK, the, the state broadcaster, mm. um, if you own a TV that is capable of receiving the state broadcast, then you are obligated to pay up, regardless of whether you watch it or not. Yes, sir. Uh, yeah, which is a, a point of contention for many people because there the argument there is, if okay, yeah, my TV might be able to receive the broadcast, but if I don't watch it, why should I have to pay for it? Mm. So, you know, a, a lot of people just refuse to pay and there's no real penalty for non-payment mm. uh, other than you get harassed on a regular basis by the collections agency. Yeah. Um, and I don't even think it, the, like, it doesn't even affect your credit score or anything, does it? I think it's just a matter of you get harassed all the time. Yeah, not the iPad. Yeah, yeah, I don't think... I mean, it's not like if you don't pay your credit card or it screws over your credit or anything. Mm. It's just they call you at all hours and they knock on your door. Well, I think I could be mistaken on this, but I believe in theory they could take you to court. However, I've never actually heard of that happening. Yeah, I guess because it's... um, Yeah, it could be considered like a civil contract, right, where mm. they they could potentially take you to court yeah yeah you're probably right but the uh so getting to with uh, with that background info in Mm. mind there is uh the article doesn't mention the woman's name but a woman installed a and you can buy these online i checked it out a Mm. a little device okay that you you attach to your antenna um, well, to be more precise, you it goes between. So you got your TV antenna, hmm. and there and then there's a cable that runs into the back hmm. of your TV. 
as I'm sure most people will be familiar with. Hmm. Uh, but apparently there's this device that uh, you can buy um, that it's, it's just a little filter that goes between the antenna and the TV. Okay. And it costs about 3,000 yen, so about $30. Mm-hmm. And if you install this filter, then it blocks the the NHK frequency. Hmm. That's interesting. So you can watch all the other channels just fine, but only mm. NHK, the, the signal level will be too low to where you can't watch it. Hmm. And so this woman installed this device on her television. Mm. And when NHK came to collect, mm. she said, hey, I, I can't receive the broadcast, so mm. therefore I don't have to pay. And of course they said, no, no, you still got to pay because you have a TV. But uh, she was very adamant that she could not receive the broadcast and therefore she did not have to pay. And she took yep. him to court. Mm. And the Tokyo District Court sided with her. Oh, really? So, yeah, saying that if you can't receive the broadcast, then mm. you do not need to pay. Uh, now, That's of course, NH yeah, NHK is going to appeal the decision mm. and this will probably go all the way to the Supreme Court. Mm. But it looks like, at least for now, is a, is a victory for those people who, you know, A, don't watch NHK, and B, uh, don't want to pay. Mm. Uh, so all they got to do is buy this nifty little device on, uh, they, they were sold out on Amazon. But um, Really? Yeah, yeah. But I, I'm sure they'll be, will be back in stock at some point. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, if um, you're one of those people, get one of the little filters and you should be good, at least for now. Wow, that's that's crazy because I would have thought, is there not, surely if the, you know, the woman, for example, in this case, if she installed it, could she not just take it out again later? Yeah, that was, that was NHK's argument. Um mm as to why you know she should still have to pay because yeah removing the filter is a rather trivial process mm. um, yeah and, and also yeah it, it's interesting you mentioned that because it, it, it ties into the, the wording of, of the Tokyo District Court uh, when, when they announced their decision but they worded it in kind of a weird way saying that the woman obviously lacks the technical expertise to remove the filter. Mm. Therefore, she does not have to pay, which, you know, if you, if you kind of read between the lines there, it almost makes it seem like, well, if so, if a person is maybe a bit more tech savvy, yeah, then would that person have to pay? Because, yeah, you know. Yeah, because mm. yeah, if because if a person you know based based on that wording, mm. if a person is savvy enough to remove the filter on their own, mm. then it would s seem like then like that person would have to pay, but then mm. someone who's not savvy would not have to pay. Yeah, 
It is interesting. I was just looking back over some notes from our previous podcast, as you mentioned, when we, we did, because we did talk about NHK in a previous episode, sometime mm-hmm. around May, I believe it might have been, or yeah. April. Yeah, I think so, yeah. The impetus for that was when they introduced uh, their streaming service online. Right. And as part of that discussion, we talked about they did they took someone to court for refusing to pay for receiving NHK on his one seg phone. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. it turned out that the court ruled in NHK's favor on that occasion. And then also, I think we talked about it in the podcast, but I can't remember what the outcome was. Was there not a case also where people could receive it on their sat-nav devices in their cars? Oh, in their car, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, I can't remember what the verdict was in that case. I I think the verdict was you still have to pay because you can receive it. Yeah. It is interesting, isn't it? I suppose the issue here is that when the law was written the NHK Act or the Public Broadcast Act or whatever it's called. Mm -hmm. I suppose they did not uh, imagine all these devices and things would be invented in future. Right, yeah, because at the time it was pretty, it was just your your, uh, tube TV at home Mm. and that was it. Exactly. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And the, the, as we discussed on the podcast, there's a lot of, there was a lot of controversy surrounding the introduction of their streaming service. This would be a sort of a stepping stone toward charging the the fee, the NHK fee, the jushinyu, mm-hmm. they call it in Japanese, to yeah. all households or basically anyone that has an internet, either a TV or, or an internet connection, which is mm-hmm. going to be mostly all households. Yeah, so we'll... Uh... We'll see how the appeal goes. Mm. It would be good if they sold uh, TVs in stores where it was certified this TV is not capable of receiving NHK from the manufacturer. And then there could be no argument. There's a business opportunity. Yes, sir. This time next year, Real Japan branded TVs. Yeah. No NHK. Yeah, because I, I, I would mm. think all you would have to do is mm. take that little filter device, but then mm. like put it inside the TV. Yes. Yeah. So then, I mean, it's, then, then you, you really can't make the argument at all mm. that it's, you can just take it out because mm. it's like embedded in the TV, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Though, as we talked about before in, when we did discuss it before, the, I mean, my personal opinion is that perhaps people who go to such lengths not to pay the broadcast fee or the reception fee or however you want to call it, mm. do not sort of understand the concept of a public broadcaster very well. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. It's um, Which, which is why you know, I've, mm. I've mentioned this before, but I, I think they should just make it a tax. Like yeah. Income tax. Yeah, yeah. Because, like, my my argument always is, like, even people who don't own a car, mm. you know, their tax money goes to pave the roads. Mm. So, yep. I, don't, I don't really see how it's, there's too much of a difference there. Yeah. I mean, I suppose perhaps one argument against that, not necessarily one I um, 
would follow myself, but but some people might say that that would make it too closely tied to the government or too dependent on the government, meaning that they, as a media organization, oh, right, right, yeah, criticize the government. I mean, there has been plenty of acu- accusations that they can't criticize the government anyway, so I'm not sure how much of a, an issue that would actually be. Yeah, I think in, in practice it probably it w- wouldn't matter. I don't mm-hmm. think, but yes, but you're yes. right. It it um the the, uh, the implications are are definitely there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but no, I do think that in general having a public broadcaster is a good thing. You know, they provide a lot of good educational content for kids, which is especially beneficial because you know not all kids have access to the same level of resources that some more well off uh, children from more well off families would have. They also have the infrastructure as well to provide sort of emergency broadcasts and things in in mm-hmm, times of mm-hmm. you know disaster, for example. Yeah, and especially now when a, a lot of kids can't go to school, mm. you know, as much as they they'd like to or as much as they should because of this uh, this whole COVID thing. Mm. So yes, exactly. definitely, yeah, you know, having you know, quality educational programming available at home. I think there's a, there's definitely a benefit there. Yes. And we have seen as well plenty of sort of scandals as well from these uh, TV broadcast companies that are, you know, sort of basically paid for by corporations and they need to secure ever more views to get ever larger advertising revenues. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's certainly some conflicts of interest in that business model as well. So perhaps having the government funded or state funded or public funded, however you want to call it, uh, broadcaster is not a bad idea. I suppose we have the grand old tradition of the BBC and NPR, I suppose would be the US equivalent, right? Yeah. Yeah. Or uh, PBS is the other oh, one. Oh, yes. Guys. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Although PBS is um is funded by mm. donations. Mm. So That's interesting. An, an interesting model. I'm I'm not too familiar with it, but Yeah. Yeah. It's either corporate donations. Yeah. Or uh individual donations too. Mm. Yeah, that's uh, interesting. Yeah, it? the BBC is is a similar model to NHK, right? I yes, think, exactly. Yes, the yeah. yes, you buy your TV license, and then that permits you to watch TV in the UK. Hmm. How do you pay? This is just uh, like you mail them a check, or like what's the? Oh, most people these days. I think there's a different, a few different ways to do it, but I think most people pay online, like, you know, debit or credit. Oh, okay, okay. Hmm. Mm. But my understanding is that the UK, like you can be fined fairly hefty amounts if you don't pay your TV license in the UK. They're more... Oh, so they actually have teeth over there. Yes, exactly, yes. Mm, okay. Mm. Yeah, maybe they should do that over here. Mm. Might not be a bad thing, eh, as we've discussed. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I just feel like mm. um, like every time we discuss this topic, I always feel like it's so like wishy washy the way they operate. Mm. Yeah, collecting the fees. Exactly. Yes, and I do think that is kind of what causes a lot of the public resentment. Yeah, exactly. It's like I just feel like they just need to make up their mind and mm. just be like, here, here's how it's going to be, and then just do it, as opposed to this whole. It's mm. Like, well. 
you got to pay, but if you don't pay, well, we're not going to do anything about mm -hmm. it. Yeah, yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah, it's just, I don't know. Mm -hmm. But in any case, yeah, we'll uh, we'll be following this one to see how the appeals go. Yes, sir. As we and... mentioned last time, I do think NHK in general is an interesting topic and might be worthy of sort of a special episode or something. Yeah, more in-depth look. Because, um, mm. yeah, I, th I think for people from the UK, you know, mm. it's it's a somewhat familiar topic because you got the BBC over there. But mm. for for people in the US, it's it's a rather foreign concept because mm. even though we have PBS, you know, like I said, it's run very differently, and mm. the majority of people don't donate or make any payments. Yeah, because like it's pretty much bona fide free programming. Mm, yes. Yeah. So, so yeah, it might be interesting to do a in-depth look. Yes, sir. And they come up in the news every now and again, you know, having their own sort of scandal and things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yep. All right. Uh, okay, it? yeah, I guess we'll uh, move mm. on, yeah. Okay, so the story I want to cover today is a bit more lighthearted as well. Maybe not for the person involved, but thankfully okay. not related to coronavirus. And in this story, the chairman of a large company in Japan, Colowide, which we will talk about soon, was scammed out of up to 3.1 billion yen. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, in the tens of millions of US dollars, if that mm. is the case, around 31 million US dollars. Mm -hmm. Now, you're going to love this scam. It's an old scam. Apparently, it's quite well known. What some people might call the oldest scam in the book, you know, if they're talking uh -huh. about it. And the way this scam works is that a story is spun concerning secret gold and silver that was misappropriated from Japan uh, after the Second World War by the general headquarters for the Supreme Allied Powers. And there's a okay. bunch of different slight variations, but basically they come under this umbrella of M funds or M money. It's called M shikin in Japanese. And okay. the M comes from the name of William F. Markat, and he was the uh, chair of the Allied Council for Japan, then head of the economics and science section of the general headquarters for the Supreme Allied Powers. So he was a, a real person. He was a real person. You can read about mm, him on okay, Wikipedia. Okay. okay, okay. And so, as I said, according to this scam, they, the Allied Powers basically kind of squirreled away or misappropriated huge amounts of gold and silver from Japan and this secret wealth exists in hidden funds around the world. <laughs> okay. And I suppose it's sort of like there are stories of the Nazi gold and things like yeah, that. The right? Na yeah, that's was exactly what I was thinking. Yeah, it sounds like the Nazi gold. Yeah. Yeah. The, I mean, as I said, this, this is, it seems to me like there's a bunch of scams and they're not all exactly the same. The, Another story might be that the Japanese government has these secret funds, 
but they're kind of hidden in off-book assets and that it it manages these assets in secret okay around the world with the the aid of kind of all these you know the imf the world bank etc now this scam has tricked a few notable sort of people in the past it seems apparently tetzel orba from anna ANA, the uh, the airline, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. fell for the scam around 1970, and allegedly Genichi Tamatsuka from Lawson also fell for the scam, leading to his resignation from his post in 2017. Wow. Mm. Lawson is uh, one of the major convenience store chains. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, yes, a huge company. The, the ones with the blue signs, if you've ever been to Japan. I'm sure you've seen one. Yep. And so, as I said, it's, it is a well-known kind of scam. And the reason that very sort of senior company executives have fallen for it in the past is something that I'll discuss shortly. But basically, it's well-known. The Ministry of Finance even has a notice on their website saying, beware wow. of this scam. Beware of the the M money scam. Now, on June 11th, a man called, uh, what was his name? Kaoru Muto, I believe is his name. And his accomplices, Masashi Ida and Fumiaki Igarashi, men around their 60s and 70s, were arrested on suspicion of defrauding uh, Kaneo Kurodo, who is the chairman of Colowide out of uh, a huge amount of money, as I discussed. I think mm-hmm. the actual amount of money that was that they were arrested for defrauding him out of was 130 million yen. So much, sm- about, uh, you know, 1.3 million US dollars. But I suspect that's mm-hmm. because they couldn't, you know, they've arrested them for what they can. A lot more money than that is probably... You know, they can't quite prove it in court, so... Right, right, right. Would be my guess. The total amount, as I mentioned at the top, is supposedly much larger, up to 3.1 billion yen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, over a period of more than a year, these fraudsters convinced Kurodo to pay money for, you know, kind of like negotiation expenses, like escrow expenses, all these kind of things in order to gain him access to the M money. Okay. And he transferred money to the fraud group on around 10 occasions, apparently. Wow. And in May 2019, after not receiving anything, despite transferring all this money on all these different occasions, he finally decided this was a little bit strange and reported it to the police. Yeah, you would think after like the ninth money transfer <laughs> and not getting anything, he would have realized that something's not quite right. Yeah, yeah. The um, It seems that perhaps, now this is why, this ties into why this scheme has so often targeted senior company executives, because 
it seems that the version of the scheme that he fell for, perhaps according to an article I read, is along the lines of, like I said, the Japanese government is has these secret offshore, or sorry, off books, uh, mm-hmm. assets and funds that it started with the help of like the IMF and the World Bank, etc. Following uh, World War Two, with the aim mm-hmm. of rebuilding, uh, you know, Japanese industry. And right. according to this version of the scam, the government entrusts these funds to notable people in, you know, in industry, in the business world, and in finance, for example. And the idea is to build long-term businesses and long-term industry. So according to the scam, they it's entrusted to these people, more or less without conditions. I see, I see. You know, I mean, if it sounds too good to be true, then... It probably yeah. is. But they, the fraudsters, claim to be able to give uh, Kurodo access to approximately 280 billion yen in funds, 2.8 billion US dollars, mm-hmm. roughly speaking. Mm-hmm. And this would be classed under core industry development funds, according to the scam. Now, in order to trick Kurodo, apparently they registered a company. The English name of the company would be something like the Asian Economic Cooperation Board. That's just my rough translation based on the Mm -hmm. Japanese name. But they registered it to a building called the Nippon Yusen building. Now, Nippon Yusen is a very large shipping company. Yeah, Yeah, one Uh, of the biggest. Yep, in Japan. Very Mm well-known sort of prestigious company. And this big build, they have this big building in central Tokyo. They told uh, Kurodo that they owned the building. Okay. And, you know, apparently he fell for that, and that perhaps led to him falling for the scam. However, mm-hmm. if he had bothered to uh, inspect the building or look into it, he would have found out that there is a rental office space there. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. most likely, they, uh, you know, just had a rental office there and then they registered their company there and then they told yeah, they, they, rent, they rented a, a desk exactly building yeah and just and registered they, the company there exactly and they told him that they owned the whole building yeah now you know of course so, so far what we have is a somewhat ridiculous scam that you would think someone who has reached the pinnacle of his industry would not fall for mm-hmm you know, but it is perhaps somewhat sad that they tricked this man out of his assets. But the reason I'm talking about it today is because I can't help but feel a little bit of kind of schadenfreude at this, you know, like this, the basically this Kurodo seems like kind of an ass from what I've read. So, Oh, really? <laughs> so he, he got what was coming to him then. I mean, there is a certain kind of... The satisfaction in seeing that he was oh, tricked in this manner, as, as as you know, as as much as oh, of course we cannot condone any kind of scamming behaviour, but let's talk about Kurodo a little bit now. So, give him his credit; he built this sort of local Chinese eatery in Zushi City. Uh, in Kanagawa, 
so sort of a beachside town near yeah beach Tokyo. town yeah and he built it into the fourth largest restaurant uh, company in Japan after McDonald's with a market cap of over 100 billion yen so he has done very well in his industry yeah and this record of success is probably why he thought or he convinced himself that the government might indeed choose him as a person to manage a portion of the M money. Mm. The company Colorwide is a number of its brands are very well known indeed. They own Gyukaku, which is a very popular uh, yakiniku, a beef barbecue uh, restaurant yeah. chain, and Kapazushi, which is a um, a rotating sushi chain. Yeah, yeah. The company has also been in the news recently for launching a hostile takeover bid for the restaurant chain Otoya, which mm-hmm. is a kind of healthy Japanese food chain restaurant, nationwide chain. It's, it's quite notice- notable, this particular ho- uh, takeover bid, because hostile takeovers are rare in Japan, and particularly yeah, so... Yeah, very in, rare. Yeah, and particularly so in the restaurant industry, apparently, because lots of, like, the you know, the sort of senior executives kind of know each other. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. this is quite notable for there to be such a hostile takeover. And it seems that this was in part because of a, a spat between the the son of the founder of Autoya and, or the son of the founding family and the, the um, current management of the company. Right, right. But anyway... I will mention that briefly later because Corrado made some interesting comments about that takeover bid. But he has, in addition to that, he has he received a lot of negative attention, Corrado, around mm-hmm. 2017 for saying in an internal newsletter about the employees in a different company that Holloway acquired. He said... So again, this is like an approximate translation of the Japanese, but something like, there are too many idiots in this company who don't even know how to greet people. He said, oh. I have something that roughly translates to like, I have ultimate power, or I have the power over life and death. He said, why are these idiots in the company? What are you going to do, you idiots? Or how are you going to live from now on? <laughs> And this is this is not like sort of off the cuff remarks. This is written down in a in a company newsletter in an internal right, newsletter. Right, right, right. And of course, he was widely criticised for this. It led to a scandal. You know, of course, it's not an appropriate tone to take in a business newsletter. Yeah, and certainly. The company posted an apology on their website, and the way their apology is written is somewhat interesting. They said something along the lines of. You know, this, the newsletter was written in the unique style of our chairman. And we apologize for the fact that the intent of the piece was not communicated, causing a large commotion. So basically it was a (laughs) non-apology. Exactly. I mean, I think the intent of the piece was perfectly communicated. Yeah, yeah. It sounds pretty clear to me. Yeah. I mean, this was many people criticize this as an example of power harassment which we have touched on in Mm -hmm. japan before but uh in this podcast before but it's a real issue in japan whereby people in positions of power sort of bully 
those underneath them because yeah, yeah. you know seniority is very sort of respected in Japan, I suppose we would say. Yeah. Yeah. The then in a shareholder meeting on June thirtieth, he reportedly said, you know, there are many incredibly stupid company presidents in the restaurant industry. And about Autoya, the company that they were planning to launch a hostile takeover of. Yeah. He said something along the lines of, you know, his comments would be roughly speaking, something along the lines of, you know, M&A is about the survival of the fittest. Autoya has no balls. They have no liver. And saying they have no liver or they have a small liver in Japanese basically means like they're weak. They have no yeah, spirit. Yeah. And he also said, Something that is kind of like, it's interesting in this context, I thought. I suppose it means something along the lines of, I I know people or I understand people. He said, what do you think of this? Watashi wa hito o mirume wa aru. Yeah, I'm... Yeah, I how to translate that mm. quite to get the spirit, but it, it mm. basically means that you have a way of assessing people, mm. I guess. Mm. Uh, like you, you're you have an ability to kind of see through people, you know, see what they're all about. Yes, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Which, you know, given that he was scammed out of all this money, seems. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, perhaps. You know, funny too. Yeah, perhaps he uh, he overstated his ability in that regard. Yes. Uh, now, even before, apparently, even before he was approached by these fraudsters, he had learned about the M money, and he became kind of obsessed with this idea that there were these secret funds out there that he could somehow gain access to. Apparently, mm. according to a former employee in the article I read, you know, he would take kind of his favorite employees out for lunch and talk to them about the M money. And he said, some people get scammed, but the money really does exist. <laughs> <laughs> he said it would change the entire company. And he also said, only certain people are allowed to receive the money, according to the article. So uh-huh. that seems to imply to me that he thought his special talents and his success in building up the company, which he did have real, real success, as I mentioned at the yeah, top. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, credit where credit is due. Credit where credit is due. But the fact that he believed he had these special talents seems to have made, made him particularly likely to fall for the scam. Kind of makes you wonder if it was mm. uh, an inside job. Mm, if someone yeah. knew and perhaps yeah. mentioned it to him. Well, well, maybe not. A, a proper inside job like I, yeah. I, I don't really think anyone inside was directly involved but mm. maybe they but maybe there there was a tip mm. from from someone inside saying hey this this guy is pretty obsessed with this yeah could well have been well apparently yeah. i didn't properly understand the na- this part of the article well but so apparently the ringleader or one of the notable figures in this gang of fraudsters Kaurumuto, was Apparently, he was formerly a, a, a financial broker 
and he first got to know Kurodo around 2013. So he'd been, so he'd kind of known him for some time, it seems, before oh, they okay, really okay. started scamming him. But it said in the article that when he got to know him, he knew him under the name Mac Aoi, which is a strange name. I'm not sure what that name means or why hmm. it would, why it would have such a name. But anyway, perhaps he kind of got to know him and then heard Kurodo talking all the time about the M money and thought, hey, there might be some opportunity here. Yeah, I guess he might not even have needed an inside tip. Mm, Yes, sir. Yeah. And then also, perhaps this has no relation to the scam, but in November 2018, Kurodo sold... Uh, some of his shares in Colloid for over 3.6 billion yen. Mm-hmm. So the timing of that does coincide with the scam. Yeah, I mean, so he had, he had to sell his shares to... Raise <laughs> so you'd have money to, to wire to the, <laughs> the fraudsters. <laughs> yes. Uh, I mean, as I said, perhaps it's not related, but... Uh, yeah, but the timing so. is rather uh, convenient. Yes, sir. What do you think? Do you feel a little bit sorry for Kurodo that he was scammed out of his money or do you feel like it was sort of deserved almost after his attitude perhaps to fellow members of the business community and employees? Um, well, I, I don't know if he deserved it necessarily, but... Mm. Um... He he certainly wasn't. I I yeah. I I don't have a lot of sympathy for him. I guess after mm. hearing that he's um kind of a shitty human being from uh yeah by 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 all by most accounts yeah. What about you? Would you be likely to fall for such a scam if someone told you there was secret hidden gold and silver? That was squirreled away by the allies, and you had been selected. <laughs> I to... don't think. <laughs> no. No, I mean it, it's because it, it's basically um, it's just, it's it's one of those Nigerian scams. Right? Yeah, it's basically yeah. it's basically the same thing, right? You get the email yeah. saying, uh, you know, the UN has given me, you know, a billion dollars, but yeah. I need you to help me get it out of the country. Yep. So send so send me some money and I'll give you a cut or whatever it is. Exactly, yep. Yep. Yeah. I mean the amount is so ridiculous as well. Two hundred and eighty billion yen. Two point eight mm-hmm. billion US dollars. I think that was more that exceeded the total revenues of Colorwide. Like per per year, so it would be a mm, huge amount okay. of money. Right, right, yeah. You know, as I said, the market cap of Colloid was, uh, how much was it I said earlier? Um, yeah, over 100 billion yen. So it would be nearly three times the market cap of the whole company. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I suppose... that should have been that should have been a red flag right there. But 
Yes, sir. I suppose he thought yeah. he had been singled out for greatness, eh? Yep, yeah, yep, yeah, the uh, the hubris got to him. Mm. So, any listeners, if someone approaches you, offering you the chance at secret hidden gold, be on yeah, your free guard. Money. Yes, sir. Right, well, shall we wrap it up there? Yeah, I think, um, yeah, we're going on about an hour, so we can wrap it up. Hmm. All right, so, yeah, thanks for sticking with us. And you can follow us on our socials at on uh, Twitter and Instagram. Our username is Real Japan Guys. You can check out our website at thereal.jp, or you can also email us at mail at thereal.jp. And find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. And uh, with that being said, we will see y'all again next week. Goodbye, listeners. Bye-bye.